Today's Issues continues on AFR. And indeed, we are back for this Monday. Fred Jackson sitting in for Tim today. But joining me to give me all the help that I need, and I need lots of help, Dr. Alex McFarlane, standing by in Tennessee. Where yes. You just tell us once again, you're speaking at a church there this weekend and again tonight. Oh, thanks, Fred. Uh, yes, I'm in the beautiful city of Kingsport, Tennessee, and I'm at Gravelly Baptist Church. We had a, a biblical worldview weekend, and I'm speaking tonight at 6.30 p.m. on a truly Christian response to the gay LGBTQ trans movements. And so, uh, I'm, and I'm here till tomorrow night as well, speaking on biblical worldview. Excellent. You know, uh, as people are listening, I bet you there are other pastors that would love to have you come in. Uh, how can they reach you? Oh, thank you, Fred. Yes, my website is alexmcfarland.com. You know, for 24 years, I've been traveling and speaking on how to defend the Christian faith. And uh, this was special because this was my first event since Bert Harper and I. Bert is my co-host on Exploring the Word, and we released a book October 12th on 100 Bible Questions and Answers. And so I had a case of that brand new book with me. And uh, yeah, I would love to come anywhere and everywhere to try to equip the church to defend faith, family, and freedom. So go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com. Pretty easy to remember that one, alexmcfarland.com. Very good. And also Thanks, joining Greg. us right now, Steve Jordahl. Steve, we haven't seen you for about almost a week. You were taking yeah. a few days off. Um, I uh, went to, well, my wife had a, uh, she's a speech therapist, and she uh, had a convention up in Nashville that she was continuing education. And uh, so I went to visit my folks up mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. and uh, my sister and brother-in-law. And we had a good time. The good. folks who have recently uh, they, vacated California. They fled. They are, they are done. <laughs> They're re- they are California done. refugees, aren't That's they? That's right. They are done with California. <laughs> Which, wait, and Dad, I think Mom or, or Dad, one of them said, uh, like, a year ago, they couldn't have dreamed that they would mm. want to leave. Wow. But they so did. it's the politics, cost of life, and all that? Uh, yeah, a couple of things. Um, uh, the politics, certainly. Uh, the taxes, certainly. Um, the church that my dad pastored at for 40 years was starting to waffle a little bit uh, on the, the Black Lives Matter. I think they're still strongly evangelical, but they were taking on the Black Lives Matter and just just struck everybody the wrong way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, just wanted to leave. Well, uh, I'm sure they're enjoying uh, that area, the Franklin area, Brentwood, Nashville area. It's a beautiful area. It really is. Yeah. Uh, We love Tennessee at our house, too. All right, Steve, start us off. What you got? Um, Alex, did you ever do um, a choir, youth choir in in, uh, church? You sure did, yeah. Sang in the Glee Club in high school, too. Do you remember the composer named Ralph Carmichael? Uh, Absolutely, yes, sir. Ralph Carmichael. Ralph Carmichael passed away Wednesday at the age of 94. He's really? known, uh, known as the, the father of contemporary Christian music, he's called by somebody. And uh, mm-hmm. him, between him and um, John W. Peterson, they wrote I rem- musical upon musical. I sang a lot of stuff that they, that they wrote. So just a, I, just a note. Wow. wow. Yeah. And and you know what? It's interesting how um, music is such a rich part of the Christian experience. And um, it, have you ever thought about the fact that only Christianity has a hymnody? 
uh, I mean, really, we are a singing faith mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we have something to sing about. Wow. An empty tomb and a risen Savior. Good point. Yeah. Good point. All right. Um, let me talk. <laughs> We've been uh, covering here at uh, American Family News the the problem with the police culture in this country. It's actually not a problem with the police at all. It's a problem with it's the culture. anti-police. Anti-police. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's a lot of cities that have been defunding their police departments, etc. And one of those is Austin, Texas, who um, are down about 300 police officers after having their budget cut by $150 million last year. Wow. Well, um, there's a owner of a business there in North Austin, and uh, he was... Uh, watching or he saw on his security camera, someone came up to the um, store, fired a shot or two uh, from a gun at the windows, and then went and took, uh, stole some some stuff from his his um, shop. Mm-hmm. And so he called the police. Well, the police told him, I'm sorry, we're not responding to anything except dire emergencies, your life is in danger, or the, the thief is on the premises. And they said, go ahead and put some gloves on and collect your own evidence. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, Alex, I've watched Law & Order through the years, and uh, the somebody else collecting evidence, uh, when mm. that goes to court, the first thing the defense lawyer would do, um, I think we have some damaged evidence there because it was the shop yes. owner who collected this. This is just the craziness that's going on right now. Yeah. I'm telling you. Uh, and, and yes, the defense attorney for the you know, criminal would say, well, they compromised the crime scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, look, thank God for law enforcement. Yes. Romans 13, 1 through 7, the peace officers are actually ministers of God. This is why we need, we need good first responders, don't we? Absolutely. And, and we have them. For the most part, but they, yes. they they are being hampered. They're getting so discouraged. But you know, there's a common thread in this Austin, Democrat-run city. Yep. Uh, yep. There's a headline this morning out of Portland, Oregon, Democrat-run city. Portland police respond to 19 shootings over the weekend. They're losing police officers left and right. Chicago's losing police officers left and right. I haven't heard crime stats from Chicago yet this weekend. Uh, New York losing officers uh part of the breaking news on the weekend was the governor of florida ron DeSantis. they're recruiting police officers who want to get out of these yeah. cities yeah they're Going recruiting over. somebody was saying they're offering a financial incentive of some type no doubt mm. everybody seems to be doing that to to good have yeah who doesn't want to go to florida these days but uh, a sign-on bonus a sign-on bonus Alex, it is just incredible what's going on, and it's all part of what we've been talking about today, this this cancer of philosophy in this country that wants to change everything and to turn against our police departments in cities that already have a major crime problem. We're, changing, we're chasing our police officers away. Well, people have a sin nature. And all human beings need boundaries mm-hmm. to keep us in check and, and hold us in. You know, Alexander Hamilton wrote about this in the Federalist Papers, that if, if men were angels, no government would be necessary. Uh, but you, you see, we need morality. We need to remind each other that we're accountable to God, 
And when people act on their sin nature, I mean, we need police. We do, because we're fallen, fallible humans. So we're very much in a battle of worldviews. I'll, I'll say this, guys. I want you to respond. When you look at, you know, the 19 shootings over the course of a weekend, and, you know, there are, you look at the liberal-run cities in America, and there are places nobody could safely live, you see that beliefs have tangible consequences. Worldviews mm-hmm. um, have outcomes, don't they? Worldviews get translated into public policy. But to go back, Steve, to that Austin story, collect your own evidence. Yeah, to, to everybody's yeah. point, what we're talking about here, Austin's murder rate has gone up by 90% this last year yeah. since the defunding. Maybe. Uh, I, I honestly do believe everything that's been happening over the last year and a half, pandemic, turning against the police. I think America is waking up to all of this. Yeah, that, we hope so. Not? All right, Steve, uh, very interesting survey that's out there we want to talk about for the rest of the program. It is. And so uh, this is a survey from a uh, group called Probe. Probe. Mm-hmm. And uh, they asked a couple questions about uh, of evangelicals, what their worldview is and what their belief is. And some of these things really surprised me. Um, Alex, nearly 70% of born-again Christians believe that other religions can lead to heaven. And then the other thing <clears throat> that, they, uh, that they talked about, see, what was that? Um, oh, when asked why they don't share their beliefs with other, other people, born-again Christians in this survey chose three things. They had top three answers where they can get to heaven through their own religion, or we shouldn't impose our ideas on others. And the third is the Bible tells us not to judge, and that's why they're not mm. sharing their faith. So much to take apart here, Alex. Go. <laughs> oh, well, you, you know, about a decade ago, I remember the Barner Research Group uh, had a stat that about uh, 55 to 57 percent of professed Christians said that people that don't believe in Jesus uh, if they are sincere about what they do believe, would still go to heaven. And look how that's escalated to now 70%. Uh, what we have in our country among believe, professed believers is, for one thing, a biblical illiteracy problem, because the Bible is unequivocally clear. The one and only way to go to heaven is through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, um, I, I don't know if it's ignorance or willful disbelief, but um, guys, do you remember about a year ago there was a statistic among millennial Christians? 94% of millennials said, quote, the best thing that could ever happen to somebody is to have a relationship with Jesus, but almost that same amount of millennials said it would be, quote, wrong to try to persuade someone of a different religion out of that religion and into Christianity. There's a disconnect and the Word of God is clear, though. There's no Savior but Jesus, and if we have Christ, we're responsible t- to tell our neighbor. What is it about when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes unto the Father but by me? Mm. How, yeah. how can people be confused about yeah. that? What about no one but Jesus, don't we understand? I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me give you guys another verse. Uh, John eight twenty four. Jesus was talking with the religious leaders of his day about his being the Savior, right? John eight twenty four. powerful verse. Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am he, 
you will die in your sins. Yes. Now, now either Christ was right or he was wrong. Alex, uh, this, if you read, a, there's a couple of press releases on this today, but the word pluralism mm-hmm. is used. Unpack that for us as, as to what that means, pluralism, and what our kids are being taught in a pluralistic society, as it were. Well, you know, pluralism has meant that uh, everybody's free to believe whatever they want to believe. And in that sense, we have been and we really are a pluralistic society. I mean, you can believe truth or you can believe whatever cockamamie thing you want to believe. But nowadays, pluralism has really been morphed to insist that all perspectives are equally valid and equally true. And uh, that that's just not possible. Um, I would say, though, for Christians that are either ignorant of the Word of God or maybe willfully resisting it, pluralism has become an idol. Because it's like, well, you know, I'm tolerant, I'm open, and, you know, I'm a Christian, but if you're Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, secularist, Zoroastrian, whatever, uh, you'll go to heaven too, I mean, if there is a heaven. That, that's, that's ungodly. That's that's ungodly. But, and so, listen, I love people, and we are in front of a quarter million people a year face-to-face to preach the gospel, and I thank God for that opportunity. But we, if we claim the privilege of sonship, then we need to own the responsibility of discipleship, but Alex, which means obeying the Word of God. A good, loving, kind God would never send anybody to hell, you know, especially if it's eternal. Right? Well, people send themselves by rejecting God's revelation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and, do. It, it, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I want to be very careful about this because it's a lot of times the the knee jerk reaction to something like this is, well, it's the church's fault. You know, the church is not doing its job. But I, I, I want to back away and get a, a broader view on this, Alex, if we could, and you get your comments on it. Here's the reality. We have to do some math here. The reality is our kids today, they're in uh, many times, and again, I always preface my remarks, I know there are good Christian teachers and even university professors that are out there doing the very best they can in the environment in which they work. But our kids, eight hours, nine hours a day, exposed whether it's school or whether it's university, to a worldview that is hostile to Christianity. Social media, uh, mainstream media, our movies, our TV programs. Uh, I go back, I'm old enough to remember All in the Family and and sitcoms uh, that came out that became very openly hostile to Christianity. And they put it in a comedy format, and people kind of laughed. But if you listen to the lines, they were making fun of Christianity. And and then you do have some churches that have said, well, in order to keep our kids, we have to focus more on entertaining them than teaching them. Mm -hmm. And and let's face it, mom and dad, sometimes mom and dad get so busy, they're not checking up on what their kids believe. So it's a matter of we have to understand we're talking about where people are going to spend eternity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What What more important question there is there than that? You know, I was listening, um, might have been, it was just last, last week, I was listening to, I think it was Jeff Shreve on AFN, and uh, he was talking, he said the, the devil 
because of course this at, at heart is a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, the devil is a liar, the father of lies, everything he says is a lie. To believers, uh, he says, are you sure that you're, you got it right, that, that uh, God wouldn't send somebody? Are you sure you got it right? To non-believers, he says, you got it right. Yeah. Of course. Keep yeah. going. You're doing well. Well, Alice, we go back to the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. What, did, what did Satan say to Eve? Did God really mm-hmm. say that? Yeah. Did he you're, you're really putting me say- on. Did God say that? Ye yeah. shall not die. Yeah. Right? But, you know, it's interesting. Reality does not budge for our misconceptions and assumptions, does it? No. Um, you know, sometimes on online there are these these fail videos. Have you guys ever seen yeah. F F A I L the fail videos? Mm-hmm. And some of them are really funny, you know, but some are hard to watch. Like somebody trying to uh, build a deck and the deck falls down. Listen, you might think that board will hold you, but if it won't, gravity is not going to make an exception just to accommodate you. And reality is, uh, there is eternity. There's heaven. There's hell. The Son of God, I mean, hell and lostness is real enough that God himself came down here, laid his back to a beam of wood, died and rose again so that we could be saved from hell and go to heaven. And um, I I had a a dear friend, I'm not trying to name drop guys, but he was a friend, Chuck Colson. He's in heaven now, brilliant, oh my goodness, brilliant man of God. And he would repeatedly say that the church must be the conscience of the culture because the world, the flesh, and the devil are not going to proclaim truth. And if, if we're believers, uh, pastors, Christians, whomever, we have got to tell the world the truth. And there is a heaven. We, we go there through Jesus alone. And if we leave this world without Christ, we are eternally lost in hell. Now, that's hard truth, but if we love our neighbor, we must proclaim it. Alex, I'm, I'm sure we have parents, moms that are listening, dads. Uh, we have pastors, youth pastors that are listening. Well, how do we start to turn this around? What is the approach that we have to take? Let's start with mom and dad at home. Well, you know, in many cases, yeah, I did a video for American Family Studios, and I I give God the glory. It won an award, Best Video Curriculum, and uh, it's in the AFA store. It's called The 21 Toughest Questions Your Kids Will Ask About God, 21-2-1. And in many a case, look, Mom and Dad, before you can pass the faith on to your children, there might be a little bit of remedial work and make sure that Mom and Dad, you have a biblically informed worldview. Um, but it starts one person at a time. And guys, I want to say, John 5.39 is true. The truth will set you free. And I would say to everyone listening, uh, if you're a believer, you know, the joy, the stability, just the, the, the peace of your soul that you want, it will begin and grow when you build your life on the Word of God. And then we when we know God's truth and we're living it and we're modeling it, we can impart it to those around us, beginning with our own children. And so I I think we've got to have, and I pray for the Spirit of the Lord to do this, but we've got to have a restoration of biblical worldview in the life of every single Christian. Steve, I was thinking, too, that uh, with everything that's gone on in the last 18 months, 
A lot of parents are rethinking where they send their kids to school. Yeah. And there's been a movement, uh, a huge increase percentage-wise towards homeschooling Mm -hmm. and also uh, trying to get their kids into Christian schools. Uh, So again, there's something good coming out of the crisis that we've all been experiencing over the last year and a half. Right. And and the the homeschooling um, issue is is, is what it is. But let me just encourage parents... Even if you're sending your child to a Christian school, um, they're there five hours a day, mm-hmm. five days a week mm-hmm. for years. So an hour or a discussion or two or, you know, a, a let's go out to lunch and talk once or twice isn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. You really do have to model it and you have to say it. You have to talk about it. You have to drill it into, uh, into, their, into their hearts. Yeah. I wanted to complete my question to you, Alex, as far as mom and dad goes, to the church. And I know there are pastors, they get frustrated and brokenhearted when they hear these surveys. What's Mm. your word of encouragement to that youth pastor, to the Sunday school teacher? Because I don't think it's ever too early to sit down with kids, little kids, and start explaining what the gospel is all about. Well, exactly, exactly. You know, children can understand the love of Jesus, and you know, um, in this is why the family is so important. You know, because in the home we learn about punishments and rewards. We learn about accountability. We learn about grace. But uh, I would just call on people that they've got to in the home, but also in Sunday school in the church, teach the Word of God, and not not just talk about God's Word, but have children read the Bible. Get in the habit of teaching Old and New Testament. Let's turn in the in the book of Genesis and read about this, and let's turn the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. By the way, I you know, Bert and I, Bert Harper, uh, my dear friend Bert Harper, we do a show on the American Family Radio Network every day. It's at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern, and so forth, but it's called Exploring the Word. Today we begin the book of Daniel. Mm-hmm. And guys, you know what's really cool? All right, we, we had our big Truth for New Generation conference a week ago. I've got elementary schoolers that come up, and they want a selfie with me. They're like, I listen to you and Mr. Burt every single day. I love exploring <laughs> the Word. And, I mean, we That's go over deep stuff. Yeah. Believe, and, and guys, I was a youth pastor for 11 years, and I know about all the games and, you know, Nerf Nerf wars and you know we youth pastors do some crazy zany stuff but look we've got to get back to teaching children and youth the word of god and in my experience they're hungry for it the, compromising on the word of god uh, is kind of the root of all kinds of stuff every denomination that has gone south on biblical marriage or whatever it is it starts with not taking the word of god seriously and um, so I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Alex. It's interesting. I've heard pastors, you know, we went through these church shutdowns uh, over the last year, and I've heard a number of pastors say, we can never do this again. And mm. I'm, I'm thank, thank the Lord for Zoom and uh, being able to, you know, some folks just couldn't get out to services, but there is something about going to church. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there is something about going to church, gathering with other believers together uh, that Zoom cannot replace. And uh, 
I, I, I hope this experience over the last year, year and a half, uh, has prompted a lot of people to look at reality, uh, spiritually and other aspects, education, you name it. All right, we have got to run. Hour and a half goes by so quickly. Know, so much to talk about. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Steve. My pleasure. Thank God you to Chris you. in their first hour. And Lord willing, we will be back again tomorrow and more great programming ahead right here on American Family Radio.